Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, welcome to 1874. It's time for a preview show as the lunchtime game Villa Park is Aston Villa against Brighton. It's a 12.30 kickoff for those not going. It's on TNT at lunchtime. I've used the term lunchtime about three times there for completely unnecessary. I'm Dan Bardell, joined by my good friend David Reid to preview said game. David, how are you? I'm all right, mate. Thank you. Yeah, how are you? Yeah, good. Tired, as we've discussed before Before we've come on. I'm so tired and I've had such a busy time of it in the last 48 hours. I haven't even had a chance to look back at Villa's Carabao Cup exit on Wednesday. And I have seen the three-minute highlights, but I can't really decipher much from that other than there were two terrible goals that Villa gave away. You you, you watched the game. We'll, we'll just talk about it before, before we get into the preview. How, how disappointed are you? Extremely. Extremely. I think I tweeted before the game yesterday because there was a bit of to and fro online between supporters saying, you know, how strong do you go? Do you rest players? There's European games. There's a lot of games coming up. Do you make changes? Do you play a strong team? And I tweeted saying, look, minimal changes. There is a cup there to be won. Um, there's a, only a few few games that you've got to play and then you're potentially at Wembley to to win a cup. And as it's transpired, you know, a lot of big teams are actually out of the competition. And unfortunately, we've gone out as well. Um, it was, I mean, it was shocking. It was shocking. The, was the whole bad? game was was poor. It was it was bad. It was bad. There were there were a lot of things. There were a lot of things wrong yesterday. The goals, obviously, individual errors. We've seen them before, and they've happened again. I'm not, I'm, I'm reluctant to go too hard and too kind of critical on the players because they've achieved so much. They're capable of so much. And they've showed that already this season. For me, that this was a collective failure that Villa didn't progress in the cup. And I don't mean just the manager. I don't mean just the players. I mean the commercial department, probably the communications department as well. 
because the whole narrative around this game, from my point of view, was wrong from the start. The fact that, I mean, there's been, obviously been a lot of chat around the ticket prices, and that was obviously correct because the stadium wasn't full. Now, I wasn't overly keen on the booze at half-time. I thought that was a little bit unfair, given what the team was given in recent weeks and months. But I did understand it because the first half was so poor. But certainly the ticket prices were wrong. I also think that not doing a pre-match press conference was wrong as well. Now, I know that Villa aren't obligated to do one, but there was no pre-match content in terms of video, from what I could tell, from manager or player. And I think the whole communication around the game was wrong. Now, Unai Emery talks a lot about Villa being a family. It felt like the, there wasn't the connection there yesterday and in the build-up to the game. If Unai Emery had have spoken to the media, and I know he's done it a lot, and I know he had to hold a news conference on Friday, less than 24 hours after Europe. But I think if he'd have spoken to the media, he would have been able to communicate the message of, look, come to the game. I'm going to put out a strong team. We will have the right attitude. We want to go and win this cup. And that message didn't really come out ahead of the game. And I think almost the apathy built and built and it spilled over into the game. And that was just a build-up. And then you consider the setup of the side, which I think was probably, I mean, it's easy in hindsight, isn't it? But it was, it was wrong. Everton went quite strong, didn't they? Do you think Villa maybe thought Everton would go a bit weaker than they they did as well? Because they stereotypically, I think, Premier League teams do make a host of changes, whereas Everton went quite strong off the back of their win at Brentford at the weekend. And then we obviously made our changes, committed to that. Yeah, I mean, they did did go strong. But then if I'm Sean Dyche and my team's got pumped a month ago, 4-0 at Villa Park, I'm not going there with a second string and risking a potential thrashing again. I'm going to go with a, a... a strong team. They they changed things a little bit. There was a game plan. It was kind of five four one. I even saw Pickford kind of joining their build up in a in a back four, and Patterson was pushing on. There was a clear plan for them. And Onana, I'm impressed with him every time I see him. He is he is top class. He really is in the centre of that midfield. And if there's a player who who is of a higher quality than perhaps Everton Everton's position in the Premier League, he's the one that 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 is showing it. So I expected Everton to go strong and and be kind of well in this game and want to win this game and that's how it transpired really you know there was Unai talked after the game around the the agreement or, or the, the plan was to play John McGinn 45 minutes Luca Dean 45 minutes and obviously McGinn started at, started at left back and it didn't quite work well didn't quite work it didn't work at all and, and just collectively the players were miles off it you can blame attitude you can blame setup but when it's not just one, two or three players that aren't playing well. It's a collective kind of 10, 11 players that aren't playing particularly well. I think you, you, you can't just blame individual players for that. I think it's mostly to do with the setup, mostly to do with tactical things and, and the build-up to the game. That, that's how I see it anyway. But yeah. you would like to think that the players coming into that side would have showed more um, for that game. So as you can tell, I'm quite disappointed that we've got that. Yeah, I absolutely had no idea that you were going to come on and, and say all that. And I think you've raised an awful lot of, of, of valid points there. I, I was just wasn't expecting that that from you. But <laughs> it's, it's, I always think it's difficult for the players. I always think it's tough when you make changes because there's no rhythm, there's no fluidity because you haven't been playing together each week. It's not an excuse, but I do always think that that makes it tougher. I thought the same the other week in the European game that, that, that we lost, albeit it was a, a slightly better performance by the sounds of it in that game. So a lot of what you've said, I, I, I do agree with. I think Emery talks about the connection and he's, I'm sure he's spoken about wanting to go strong and wanting to win all, all the cups, but you're right. The message last night wasn't, wasn't really there. The ticketing, ticketing strategy, you know, everyone's been over it on, 
on social media. I think, you know, if, if you are charging those ticket prices that, that, that they've charged, you're expecting to see a full tilt side, in, in, in my opinion. Previous years, I, I will say, up until recent, I do think Villa's pricing has been has been reasonable. I don't think they've got a lot yes. wrong in terms of pricing until yes. until the last few years when they've started to, to raise everything. And even some of that, I, I don't completely disagree with. I, I understand it. But I do, I do think you look. I looked at that side last night. Obviously, I was I was out last night. I couldn't work out what the formation was going to be. You know, I, di- I didn't expect to be seeing John McGinn playing at left back or or hearing that. It's a, it's a surprise to hear that. I guess it's where we're at with with Morena being being injured at the moment and him not really wanting to overwork Luca Dean because he is having to play every single single week at the moment. I think the top. I think oh, maybe if the game had been a week ago and you take on Everton. You probably beat them. I think they've probably got the tails up a little bit after having won at Brentford. It's given them a, a little bit bit of confidence. But from just seeing the goals, but the two goals that Villa conceded, they're, they're, they're schoolboy level goals. You can't you can't be conceding goals like that. They're they're, they're, they're not good. It's, neither of those goals can, can be dressed up. I've no idea what the overall point is that I'm, that I'm trying to make. I don't think I'm even even trying to make one. But did just think under Emery that you know we go for the cups that would the fans. I don't know whether the club. I think they probably do, but the fans are desperate for a trophy. I genuinely think fans would take a eleventh, twelfth finish and winning a trophy. Really want to yeah. see this team win something. It's been so long since the clubs won a trophy, and I was probably more annoyed with getting knocked out at Stevenage against Stevenage. Sorry, last year I thought that one really hurt me. Maybe it's because I didn't watch last night. Probably the first time I haven't watched a Villa game in God knows, God knows how long. But maybe that shows my apathy towards it yeah, as well but, and because I was just like I've already committed to going to a gig I've bought these tickets probably eight nine months ago not realizing there's going to be a Carabao Cup game on but, no, but I didn't even consider going to the Villa game because because of the, of the things that you've spoke about just knowing that it probably would be two I thought it would be two second strings like I just thought it wouldn't be an, an enjoyable evening and it turns out it just wasn't an enjoyable evening at all yeah, but I guess it shows how far Villa have come because if you if we play this game a year ago, it's a toss-up if that, if we beat Everton in a cup game. But given the progress that's been made, you're going into this game almost expecting Villa to go out there and turn over Everton, given as well what's happened a month ago. So it kind of shows how far we've come that the expectation level is there for us to go out and beat Everton. But, you know, we've said all this, but the, the team that played last night, in my opinion, was good enough to beat Everton. Yeah, I would have it said that just, as well, the 11 individuals, yeah. yeah. It was just obviously things weren't weren't going right for them. I think, in a way, Emery is the victim of his own success as well, because every time there's a little setback, it does feel like the end of the world. Not that I'm not saying last night was a little setback, but every time we lose, for example, because we've won so many games and he's been so good and turned the club around in a, such a short space of time, I think there's an expectation level there now that we'll, we'll win these games and you... Can't just turn up and win. We saw that last week in in Europe when we when we made changes. Maybe people would look at maybe lessons weren't learnt from Europe where we made a host of changes and we've come a cropper because the same things happened again. And I think at the start of the season it felt like the, there was a squad depth there, and then there's a couple of injuries. And you know we're still carrying. Uh, we got the two long term ones, but there is a few other injuries. Players missing last night as well. You, once you've got around three or four players missing, and we make changes, we're not maybe as strong as we th- we thought we were do you think that there's a case for that look i think <clears throat> excuse me i think there is a, a question mark around consistency and performance so last season at, in, from 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 my point of view emery kind of played a, a fairly consistent first 11 or first 13 players that he he relied yeah. on in terms of personnel now 
this season, obviously, he's had to strengthen. We've had to strengthen because of European football. He, he has changed and altered personnel. But this isn't just this season going to be a, a physical test for the players. This is a huge mental test. I'm not just talking about, blimey, I'm in Bosnia on Thursday and I've got to come back and play a Premier League game three days later. I'm talking about the kind of mental test that it's going to be playing different roles within Unai Emery's system. He is so detailed about what he wants players to do. And even in this season, he has tasked the players with doing different jobs in different games and has almost changed things a little bit or altered or tweaked things slightly every week. You think about Cash starting the season low in build-up and being a part of a back three, then he switches and plays higher the next week and Villa play Konza as a kind of alternative right-back and Carlos comes in, he ends up getting injured. Kamara in the last couple of weeks has been playing as the third centre-back in build-up and pulling deeper into the, the right-hand side and Cash has gone higher. And it's all about those different switches of positions. McGinn has played left side, he's played right side, now he's played left back. Mm. The only kind of consistency that, that Villa have had in terms of jobs to do and personnel has been Kamara and Louise, really. Even kind of DRB and Zaniola have, have ended up playing different sides or slightly different positions. And, you know, this is not just going to be a physical test for these players, it's a mental test. Can they take on instruction at a day's notice? Can they get the stuff from the analysts 24 hours before the game and say, this is your job this week, you have to carry this out to the letter, this is what you need to do. Can they carry those instructions into a match day? It's it's not easy for them, I do get that. And coupled with all the physical stuff, coupled with all the travelling, uh, coupled with, you know, less time seeing your family, it's not easy, but... This is if Villa and these this group of players want to get to the top and the top level, and you're competing in for Champions League football. This is the kind of test that Villa are going to have to face and get on with. Your players may be getting used to being in and out as well in sitting games out. Like you're saying, we had that consistency of selection between probably 12 and 13 players last season. There was very few changes. Now, even the players that you know might play two games in a row, that the players, for example, that would have played at Chelsea on Sunday and then played last night, you got three or four people who you didn't play with for the last few games before. So even for the players that are playing consistently, it becomes more tough. I do think there's something something valid in that. It, our season has looked quite inconsistent so far because generally it has been win one, lose one. But I'm talking about all across all competitions here when we've had games in a row. If you take the Premier League in isolation and we'll look ahead to the, the Brighton game now, four wins from six is a, a really, really strong start from the club and we're going really well in the league and if you look at the pattern so far of our results actually the fact that we've lost in the cup on Wednesday probably a good thing we might it means we might we might beat Brighton on Saturday because that has been how it's gone this so far this season yeah I think before the Chelsea game you think oh I'm not sure is it a good start is it could we have done better is it but I think after you beat Chelsea away from home you see the points accrued, you see the position in the table you go yeah okay now it's a good start now you can say that we've made a good start to the season and 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 you've also knocked off the list some very difficult away games when you look at Stamford Bridge, Anfield, St James's Park. You don't have to go there again. And you've managed to come away and say, yeah, do you know what? This number of games, we've got this number of points. Yeah, OK, that's a good start. Um, so, yes, I think you can go into this Brighton game. You expect a better performance than the game in midweek. I think the players will be all switched on um, for this one. And I think there'll be a kind of reverting back to a more familiar starting lineup certainly tactically than we than we saw on Wednesday night so this is a real opportunity and and but but you know we've got a great record against Brighton but Brighton will be well up for this because this is a start of a huge 
month for Brighton. They have mm. got some very difficult fixtures. I think they're in. They're playing Marseille in midweek, and then they've got some really difficult Premier League fixtures off the top of my head. I think it's Liverpool, Man City. It, I'm not sure in which order, but they've got some. They've got some really tough games coming up, so they'll be targeting this game for a victory, particularly the way that we've turned them over. Uh, I think we did. They did the double, didn't we, last season? Unai yeah. Emery matched and, and beat uh, Roberto De Zerbi on two occasions, which not, not many, very many done, managers yeah. have managed to do. So I think they'll be coming in and really wanting to lay a marker. Um, against us this weekend. Brighton, are, they're slightly ahead of us in the league. I think they've won five from their first six and uh, and lost one. So they're, they're going well. You know, they're getting, like Villa, they're getting used to now having this heftier schedule. And they lost their first European game. They got knocked out the Carabao Cup as well. So, you know, all the stuff we've just said about, about Villa, it's probably apparent at Brighton as well. But people all think that Brighton are absolutely flying, but they've actually only won one more game. The, the, the Villa, yeah. I mean, that's the one yeah. difference in, in, in the results. So I do think everything that we've spoken about, there, there is something in it because we're seeing it with Brighton as well and Villa and Brighton. I mean, Brighton have never been in Europe. Villa haven't been in Europe for, for an awful long time. Deserby's making a lot of changes to his side on a game-to-game basis as well. I mean, he's changing his goalkeeper an, a, an awful lot. You know, Evan Ferguson's been ill quite a lot. He scored a hat-trick and then I feel like he hasn't really played much since. They're making sweeping changes as well. And I would say... For as much as everyone raves about them, they've done a lot of similar things so far this season to Villa, haven't they? Yeah, and they've, I mean, they haven't had the kind of serious injuries that Villa have had, but they've had players missing. You mentioned Evan Ferguson there. Pascal Gross, who's been one of their ever presence for, for seemingly years now, he's so important for them and he plays a couple of different positions. He's been missing and, and will be missing for a while. Um, and they have rotated. I think they've lost Milner as well, who started the season. Dunk injured as well, I imagine. <clears throat> He's been Dunk was on the bench. He was on the bench against Stamford Bridge, so you, you would expect him to, to come back into the side. I think Webster's missed a few games. Um, and kind of Van Heck has been playing alongside, mm. alongside Lewis Dunk. So, look, you're right. They've had to rotate. They've had to change. And also, you know, let's not forget they've lost two massive players as well in Kai Shado and... And McAllister in the summer, they're having to bed in new players. Adingra is someone who has played quite well over the last couple of games. He was on the bench, I think, against Chelsea. Will he come back in to their starting lineup? Um, you know, I think it'll be Dahu and, and Billy Gilmore central midfield for them as the two pivots. And how important was Caicedo and, and McAllister last season? But but even then, you know, Caicedo played some games at right back as Pascal Gross did, and kind of inverted into central midfield. And Estupinian can do the Estupinian can do can do the same from left back inverting, or he can play high and wide. So they've got lots of flexibility. But I think it'll be Dahu and Billy Gilmore, and then Matoma's just top class, isn't he? He came off the bench and scored in within a few seconds against Bournemouth last week. Um, and then it's whether it's a Dingra kind of in that other wide position, or whether they go with. Um, another player out wide who 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 can make those kind of out to win runs that they're they're kind of quite quite known for those balls over the top we're going to have to be very very wary of diagonals out wide as we we kind of end up repeating ourselves most weeks in terms of Villa's high line which has been a net positive for us but it has been caught out on a couple of occasions and Matoma is one of those players that you have to consider as being a real threat could make a case, I'm not saying we will do this or that we should, but you could make a case for, I expect Matoma to play because he's been benched a couple of times recently. They've been trying to keep him fresh. So I think he'll come and play against Villa and he is electric Matoma when he when he gets going. He's a, he's a sensational footballer. It's arguably a case for bringing Carlos back in at centre-back and playing Esri Concer at right-back just because Concer's one-on-one defending is so, so good. 
And that I feel like yeah. that's the kind of defensive technique that Matoma, he won't struggle because he's a very good player, but it'll give him a harder time, I would say, if we did that. That's, that's my opinion. I don't know whether you agree with that. Uh, 100%. I do. I was thinking this uh, yesterday, it might have been this morning, that Conta is Villa's best 1v1 defender. And we're going to need someone who's fantastic at 1v1s when you're picking out Matoma. And I think that the, the thought was triggered in my mind insofar as looking at the Villa team on Wednesday night, why didn't Carlos play on Wednesday night and Pau Torres shift over to the, the left-hand side and play that kind of hybrid back three, back four with Torres playing kind of a the, 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 the situational left-back at times? That was confusing me slightly when McGinn was named in the side and ended up playing at, at left-back. Why didn't Carlos play? Was that because Unai Emery has thought, well, Carlos can't play two games in a week and I want to play him against Brighton at the weekend? And shove and, and shove, but you know, move Concer out into that right back position to try and handle Karim Matoma. So that that is definitely an option, and that that was the only thing in my mind that triggered it: the fact that Carlos didn't play on Wednesday, and given his injury situation, is he able to play two games in a week? That would be the reason why maybe he would come in, Concer would shift to right back, and Villa would kind of switch things up to switch things up that way. Because for the life of me, I couldn't understand why. McGinn was playing left back and Carlos didn't play. Yeah, I'm not so advocating Matty Cash to come out of the team, by the way, with, with that either, because I think you, Bailey's obviously picked up an injury at the, uh, at the weekend. Mm. He may have played. Could play Cash on yeah, that right that, hand side, I mean, especially against and, a tough opposition. I think if you've got Cash and McGinn on the flanks against a tough opposition who do try and create a lot of width, I feel that helps the fullbacks as well, having those two in front of them. Yeah, and the, the Bailey injury might make his, his decision for him. In that case, and you play cash higher, and then you you move Conzer out wide. That that could be the case. Um, you know, Brighton carry a, a big threat. We know we know that. So I think it would make sense. But then Conzer's been playing so well Wednesday night aside. Conzer's been playing so well. Uh, do you risk disrupting him by moving him, moving his position? That's another yeah. thing to weigh up. I did think at Chelsea there were signs that the Conzer. Pau Torres' partnership was starting to bear fruit a little bit. I felt like that mm. was the best game as a, as a pair. Concert was excellent at, at, at Chelsea. He really, really was. Like, did everything well that you'd want a, a centre-back to do. But I just think Matoma, if he plays, is their biggest threat, especially when you've got a stoop in you. Know, he, doesn't, he doesn't really make, because he's a flying left-back, you expect him to make overlapping runs. But actually, he doesn't come in and invert like a stereotypical inverted fullback. He actually is on his bike, but but underlapping because Matoma pulls so wide. That's a, that's a dangerous combination with those two, but it's, it doesn't work the way that you would expect it to work with a left-footed left-back and a right-footed left-winger. Left it's a stupid you know, who underlaps and Matoma, who is really dangerous out wide and stays wide and gives backs himself one-on-one -on -one against the fullback. Yeah, and then the, the, the other rotation that they, they like to do is the, the striker or the the kind of two strikers sometimes that they play will drop deep. So it's a case of well, who, who picks up them. If it's a centre-back, if it's Diego Carlos, does he go with Evan Ferguson and drop deep with him and, and push man-to-man -man on him? Then you've got to watch for Matoma in behind. Then you've got to watch for Estupinian being a part of the build-up in that underlapping role. There's lots of things to consider when it comes to Brighton. You're not quite sure how they're going to play, who's going to play yeah, it's hard uh, to and what they're going to do. It's really hard to prepare for Brighton because they do make wholesale changes and deserve has basically been saying, well, I'm going to, I'm going to keep doing it. I'm going to keep yeah. making those changes. It does make them a difficult side to, to set up against, I would say. You think Villa might be able to get some joy offensively on, on that side of the pitch with Diaby pulling wide if those two were to get caught high up, high up the pitch? 
I wouldn't say their centre backs are the most mobile centre backs I've ever seen in my life. And Villa had some joy against Brighton on a couple of occasions last season. The RB kind of pulling wide feels like it might be a might be a good avenue for Villa. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, I, I mean. It... It feels like, you know, Diaby has played so well, he's almost nailed down that shadow striker position. It almost feels difficult to move him out of that position. I'm not saying that he's going to, he's not going to kind of, he's going to start out wide because I just, I can't see that at all. But whether he decides, Emery, that maybe, yeah, he's going to start in that off the striker position and then pull wide, which, which we've seen Leon Bailey do on a few occasions as well last season. Um, I remember the game against Leeds, which he did it to great effect at home. Um, Leon Bailey. So, yeah, I mean, I can see Diaby pulling out wide, definitely. Um, and it's a case of, you know, if he does that, then McGinn will have to move into the number 10 position. You know, maybe Zaniolo does the same and then those two become the, the two kind of um, tens in that in that situation and Dina is the is the flying winger on the other side so it depends where he wants to Diaby to do his most damage because he's played so well in that off the striker position playing in that number 10 role that do you want to you know give him a different job to do and kind of play out wide and play in behind Estupinian you know Villa have got to get used to playing without the ball you know Brighton are going to dominate or going to try at least to dominate the football and that you know I remember to, I spoke to Emery at the end of last season. I think it was his last press conference of the season and he was asked a question around what he wants to do in the summer and what he wants to see from his team. And what he said was that he wants to see more, uh, well, I think he called it aggress- aggressivity off the ball. I'm not sure whether that's a, the right word, but aggressiveness off the ball. And Villa are going to have to show that. Uh, I'm not sure they've particularly showed it on Wednesday night because they were all off it. I think the pressing is something that you know, Newcastle at home last season is the one that sticks in Such in the mind. You know, can we get that sort of off the ball performance against Brighton this weekend to really get the crowd on side? So yeah, I think that is one thing that we're going to have to look at, and you know, we're going to have to get used to not seeing the ball at the weekend. I just think back to those, you know, that end of last season. And I still think like some of the players that were a big part of that aren't on the pitch at the moment. Mings, Moreno was huge. Jacob Ramsey was huge at that point as well. You know, those players aren't there at the moment. They're big parts of the of the side and big part of Villa being able to press and being able to be fluid and carrying more threat going forwards as uh, as well. So I just think they're, they're huge, huge misses. More more good news for Villa, I guess, is that Ollie Watkins broke his Premier League duck last week against Chelsea. And we've seen in the past with Ollie. this will now, you think, if you look at Villa's fixtures as well, this is probably the toughest game Villa have actually got in the, in the next five. But you look at the next five games and think that there's some winnable games in there. And Ollie Watkins, it was a good time for him to score against Chelsea because he can be a little bit streaker. Hmm. Uh, I think he's got a great record as well against Brighton. I think he scored quite a few goals against them. So, I pick yeah, I think few, it, yeah. Yeah, he, need, he needed the goal. There was no doubt about it. He needed the goal. I think you could tell um, his confidence lifted as soon as he scored that goal against Chelsea. Um, and it feels like, you know, hopefully this is his time now to go on a little bit of a run because it has worked out that way for him in the past where he's hasn't scored for a while, then scored, then gone on a little run. And it's it's coincided with Villa's good form as well. But, you know, we have to, we have to consider. And I, I know, you know, again, it feels like we're talking about the same thing, but Ollie Watkins offers you so much in terms of, even when he's not scoring, and that is yeah, of off the ball stuff, and and that is also when Villa have the ball as well. You know, he's going to be the one that is 
making the runs across the front post or making the runs across a goalkeeper when Villa are working the ball into wide areas and looking for for you know a cutback to a midfielder like McGinn or or you know any of any of the midfield Diaby running onto the ball he's the one that is pinning defenders and pushing them towards their own goal enabling the space for the likes of McGinn and Diaby to have to have that space in order to score goals so you have to remember even if he's not scoring the amount of stuff that he is able to do for Villa with the ball without the ball it's it's absolutely crucial absolutely crucial you just hope now that this is this is him now going on a bit of a run yeah Brighton don't keep too many clean sheets so you think you know Villa I usually, especially at home, you know, Villa are 10 in a row at home as well. Let, let's not forget, I'd back us to score in this game. So much will depend, obviously, on how, how we do the other other way against Brighton. If we can keep it to keep keep it down to, to one or zero going into, into our net, I'd back us to take something from the game because I always think, I was fancy us to score at home. In fact, if we, I don't even think there's been a game where we haven't scored at home in the Premier League under Unai Emery. So, you know, it's an interesting game as well. It's on, it's on TV, you know, Villa v Brighton, two teams that have become very popular in the, in the last 12 months because of the way they finished last season. Two teams that I think other sets of fans have a, have an interest in, kind of like what both teams are doing and respect what both teams are doing. So, it'd be, it'd be, you know, it'd be a good game. be an inter- interesting game. We're not going to do score predictions. We didn't do it last week against Chelsea and we won 1-0. So, we're knocking that on the head. For now, no more, no more score predictions from us for the foreseeable. But yeah, thanks ever so much for watching. Thanks to Dave for joining me. Let us know in the comments if you agree with what we've discussed in this show, and give the video a like and subscribe to the channel with your post notifications on, please. We're gonna, I'm gonna set a high bar of 300 likes on this video. If we can, let's try and hit 300. I don't know, is that high? I'm not sure. Thousands of people watch it, so 300 likes actually should be reasonable. But yeah, if you give the video a like, let's try and hit. 300 likes on this video we'll be doing a post-match show at some point won't be on saturday i don't think but we'll look at doing that on sunday then of course the 1874 podcast podcast even with golfing global greg evans will be next week as well so watch out for that keep your eye on our socials and we'll keep you updated with what we do enjoy if you're watching on the tv wherever you are in the world and i'll see you at villa park for those that are going to villa park and as always up the villa Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.